everyone. My name is Grace Adcox and welcome to the Novel Hand podcast. Today I'm going to be talking with Natasha. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi everyone. I'm Natasha. Um, I'm a summer intern for Novel Hand. Really excited to record this podcast episode today on a collaborative article which we wrote um, in response to the recent changes in uh, the status of Haitian migrants who come to the U.S. Um, under the Biden administration in the last week. So today we're going to talk a bit about who those Haitian migrants are, what the constitutional crisis is that's driven a lot of migration to the U.S. recently, and a little bit more about temporary protected status or TPS and how we view that as, you know, a possible solution that comes with some challenges as well. So with that, um, let's go ahead and get started. Okay, Grace. So I'd like to um, ask the question, what do Haiti's like political institutions look like right now? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because it's something I did not know a lot about until doing research for this um, article. But um, so Haiti is uh, technically a, a democracy right now, but it's not a democracy in the way that the U.S. is. And instead of just having a president and a legislature, instead there's a president and a prime minister, as well as um, a parliament that kind of keeps a check on powers in, in Haiti. And that is due in large part to some of the experiences with autocracy that the state's dealt with. Um, that being said, Haiti's democracy is really recent um, and the most recent elections in 2015 were extremely contentious. So um, Jovenel Moise is the candidate of the PHTK party in Haiti who um, qualified for the runoff elections in, in fall of 2015. But after those elections, there was really low turnout and um, in the exit polls from the election, very few people indicated that they'd supported this candidate. So there were a ton of calls of election fraud, um, plenty of protests in the country and this pushed the elections, the runoff elections, a full year to November 2016, um, when Moist did win and take over as the president of the country. That being said, um, now five years on, he has refused to step down when that's the term limit for a Haitian president. And because he's been the leader, not only for five years, but also over a really intense economic crisis for the country, um, he's faced calls for resignation, and there's been a lot of opposition in the country, both violent and nonviolent in protest form, and also in the form of appointing alternate political leaders to hopefully take his place. So that being said, there's just a lot of intense calls for, for change in the country. And I don't know if you want to speak any more about what you know about the constitutional crisis, because I know you also pointed me on to some of the interesting things, like how Moise is even claiming to maintain power in the first place. Yeah, so I found it very interesting that Moise was citing um, the sort of timeline of him being elected into office as a call for contention, you know, um, for like why he's still able to uh, keep his power in the government right now. Um, I found it interesting that Moise, um, you know, he was really citing the timeline of his election into office as a point of contention, especially since, you know, he was, he was saying that with the start of his, uh, with his election already being contested and that, that is a reason for some reason for him to continue staying into office. And I believe 
that's unconstitutional. And I think a lot of Haitians agree with that as well. Um, and because of the opposition and the outcry uh, from a lot of Haitians, there have been numerous protests. And because of those numerous protests, there have also been a lot of kidnappings and things like that. And I think that the COVID-19 pandemic has also created, um, has also expanded a lot of these problems, um, particularly with the protests and has even increased kidnappings um, because the Haitian government had um, implemented a lot of curfews and things like that in order, in a guise sort of way that a lot of Haitians saw as a sort of a way for the government to um, stop these protests from happening, uh, you know, under the guise of like the COVID-19 pandemic being so bad. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I think that this entire situation, it could be avoided if just Moise understood um, that his time is uh, over um, in terms of being president. Yeah, particularly, I think, in a country that's experienced multiple autocratic leaders and also um, foreign interventions, especially by the United States, you would think that there was a more concerted effort to, um, you know, abide by the rule of the law and, and listen to the, the parts of the Constitution that, that directly govern your, your power. Um, so I thought that that was really interesting as well, reading about this. Um, and of course, like, the relationship between the U.S. and Haiti is also something that's kind of complicating this entire situation. I mean, Haiti has been invaded multiple times by the United States, but the United States has also participated in some of the really important um, programs to help rebuild the country in the aftermath of a number of natural disasters, including the earthquake in 2010 and several hurricanes, including Hurricane Sandy, which later hit the United States. Like, the U.S. has been a supporter of Haiti and, and provided this disaster relief aid, but there's also kind of that underlying, you know, idea that the United States has also stopped some of the, the you know, sovereign activities of the country through its various interventions, political, economic, and military over the last, you know, hundred years, which, which says a lot. Um, and I think that it's also important to really highlight the more recent history of, of the relationship between um, Haiti and the United States. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more, Natasha, about, you know, relations between Haiti and the United States, especially since the last three presidential administrations in this country. Yes. So I, I definitely agree that it's important to look at those administrations as well to kind of see what sort of um, U.S. relations and, and Haitian relations look like right now. Um, and in terms of the Obama administration kind of starting there, as you stated, you know, um, the U.S. has helped a lot with sending aid and things like that, especially during a lot of natural disasters um, that Haiti has had to endure. And so um, the Obama administration, particularly um, in 2010, really helped in conjunction with like George W. Bush and um, Bill Clinton with raising money and providing aid to Haitians and also deploying a lot of troops there in order to um, sort of create some sort of sense of order as Haiti was going through such a difficult time after the um, earthquake. And not just with sending aid in terms of like natural disasters, but um, the United States in 2012, um, during the Obama administration, um, the Obama administration granted a lot of Haitians entry into the US with non-immigrant visas, which would secure places, um, a place of employment and just a sense of life um, for a lot of Haitian immigrants to come over and settle in the United States. Um, and then in terms of the Trump administration on the flip side, 
as we all know, the Trump administration pushed out a lot of anti-immigrant and immigration policy like rhetoric. Um, and so this is included in a lot of the statements that Trump has made about many African countries and, and also Haiti. Um, and also um, taking certain actions like removing Haiti from a list of countries that would be able to receive certain certain non-immigrant visas that the Obama, Obama administration was um, dealing out to a lot of Haitian immigrants. Um, so it seemed like the Trump administration was trying to roll back a lot of the immigrant um, positive messages that the Obama administration was um, sort of pushing out. And so... Yeah, it's very interesting to also see that dynamic, too, because in 2010, it seemed like the U.S. was really in solidarity of Haiti. And then, you know, a few years after that, then it just seemed like the U.S. did not really care so much about Haiti and, and a lot of the problems that were happening in the nation. Um, yeah. And then and then in terms of the Biden administration, that is where we're going to start talking about, you know, temporary protected status and a lot of those sort of um, very positive messages that the Obama administration once had and once were trying to upheld. I was wondering, Natasha, could you very briefly describe what temporary protected status means? Yeah, sure. So temporary protective status is essentially an immigration program that was created in 1990 by the Immigration Act um, by Congress. And so this status really designates a lot of people from certain countries. Currently, there are around 12 countries that are receiving the status. Um, and it designates people from those countries to receive um, employment authorization documents and forms uh, to then work in the U.S. And really, to temporary protective status is reserved for people who uh, whose countries are going through civil wars, you know, armed conflicts or environmental disasters, such as you know what Haiti has gone through for such a long time. Um, and because of the constitutional crisis that's happening in Haiti, a lot of Haitians they were able to receive TPS. Um, but because of the Trump administration, um, that uh, TPS was was being um, rolled back. But the, the Biden administration now has extended TPS by 18 months. Gotcha. I think that's really interesting and also probably one of the factors that uh, makes the U.S. a favorable location for many Haitian migrants to go to. Outside of the you know, proximity of Haiti to the United States, which is something driven a lot of Caribbean migration to the U.S. There's also the idea that the U.S. can promise opportunity and stability to migrants who've, you know, left places where they, the state has lacked the capacity to provide for the infrastructure and jobs and food and medicines that, that they need to survive and thrive. Um, and similarly, like, we find that while there's some of those promises don't quite get delivered upon because the immigration, you know, scheme in the United States is a little bit more xenophobic still in recovery. And hopefully like that changes more and more under the Biden administration. Like there is the idea that once you come to the U.S., it's a ticket to stability and prosperity, you know, opportunity to develop a new community and develop a new home where you're able to work and have human dignity. And that's hopefully something that uh, TPS and further actions under the Biden administration will help um, facilitate for Haitian immigrants who, who come here. Um, do, can you speak a little bit, Natasha, to the Haitian migrant communities that have come to the U.S. so far and, and what they look like? Yeah, of course. Um, so a lot of Haitian migrants, they tend to settle in Florida, um, specifically Miami. 
And that's primarily due to the proximity that um, Haiti has to Miami. Um, but also a, a lot of the migrants also uh, go to New York and U.S., again, is very, it's, it's close in proximity um, to Haiti. And so that's why a lot of Haitian migrants happen to go to the U.S. And the U.S. actually tends to hold the largest Haitian community in the entire world. Um, and in terms of what the communities look like, of course, since a lot of migrants are, are you know, specifically coming from Haiti, they bring a lot of their culture with them. So, you know, a lot of the cultural foods, uh, the languages that they speak, I mean, Haiti is, is known um, for Creole and French and, and Spanish. And so, yeah, so th that's sort of what the um, general like demographics of Haitian migrants looks like. For those Haitian migrants, I mean, you already mentioned language differences, which might be one of those challenges that, that Haitian migrants might face as they integrate into U.S. communities. Um, but what other sorts of challenges have emerged for, for these immigrants? And, you know, are there solutions that we can move forward with as individuals or are there, you know, current actions in place to, to help um, the Haitian migrant community in the U.S. survive and thrive here? Yeah, so... Again, with the Biden administration rolling out TPS, I think that that is definitely a solution for a lot of Haitian migrants with allowing them to settle in the U.S. Um, and um, during the Trump administration, there were organizations and in, in certain court, case, court cases that tried to um, stop Trump from uh, terminating the program. So like Ramos versus Nielsen, which I implore any listener to look to really like delve into that case. And again, another case being Saget versus Trump. Um, so, so those sorts of cases and, and really people um, bringing attention to the issues that are happening in Haiti and standing in solidarity with the nation, um, that's really what could um, help a lot of these families integrate and you know really feel that the US is their home as so many have like felt in the recent years. Are there any specific organizations that you would think would be helpful for us to link to in the podcast description? Yes. So I definitely think that Haitian Women for Haitian Refugees is an important organization. Mm -hmm. um, and another organization would be Haitian Bridge Alliance. Um, these mm -hmm. two, they just, they were, they're really working towards providing like long-term solutions for Haitians, both in the U.S. and in Haiti. Um, and I think that's really important. Thank you. I think that that's really great. And we'll be sure and put those in the podcast description um, that's associated with this episode. It's been really great talking with you, Natasha. I really appreciated getting to work with you over this article and um, for this podcast episode. Is there anything you want to say to close out the podcast? Um, yeah, I, I just say that um, all the listeners, please, you know, research more about this topic. It's, it's really interesting. Um, and it's something that's really important because it's happening right now. And it's crazy seeing how um, Haiti's history um, and also a lot of the past administration, um, you know, history, how that is impacting a lot of the decisions happening right now and a lot of lives that are, you know, um, currently living in the U.S. Yeah, I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Um, we'll be sure to link our article also at the with the podcast episode so that you can read it and check out more information that we weren't able to cover today. Um, for now, this has been Grace and Natasha on the Novel Hand podcast, and we look forward to you tuning in for future episodes. Mm -hmm.